Welcome into the show. It is Daniel Wartman coming to you live from the Dreamaginate Sports Studios. It is 9 a.m. on the East Coast. This is your 6 a.m. West Coast wake-up call in all time zones in between and around the world. Welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you, everybody had a great weekend. It is. Um, it was. A, it was. A, it was a really great weekend. Uh, for me, being able to go and check out some uh, some different things, and uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. Coming up uh, after the break, in just a little while, we will have Sheldon Grizzle of the Chattanooga Football Cl- uh, Chattanooga Football Club, uh, and he will be joining the show. Um, a revisit, a makeup date, I guess you could say, uh, where uh, we had some technical difficulties uh, several weeks ago, and. Um, we're not able to to get that out to everybody, so we we are really really happy he's able to stop back in, and um, it's a big week for for the Chattanooga Football Club as well. They they um, uh, kicked off their NPSL season uh, this past weekend, and uh, have a have a real big match coming up this coming weekend, and we will get all into all of that with Sheldon coming up very very soon. Um, I was reading some news uh, this weekend as well about Ajax. Ajax has been like the, you know, the the club in in European competition this year that everyone's kind of been, you know, rooting for. They have been uh, enjoying watching this team, especially from the standpoint that it is it has a lot of youth in the in the team. It's also kind of a legacy brand. You know, if you think of this in a business term. It's kind of a, a you know a, a rebirth of this legacy brand Ajax, kind of coming back to the global stage, having uh, global prominence uh, on on a big stage, you know, literally 10, 15 seconds away from being in the Champions League final with Liverpool. We all know what happened, but you know the, this club, this identity, this brand. There, there's a lot of pride there in, in in the Netherlands and in Amsterdam in particular, surrounding Ajax and this run, this this um, you know chase to the Champions League final and this collection of young talent. Um, and it's it's really been I, I I wouldn't call it a Cinderella story if you've been paying any attention. They, this club has been on the rise the last few years, but seeing that that project that you know Cruyff and others kind of came together and kind of rebirthed, you know, almost uh, ten years ago, start to come back around and and pay dividends yet again. Um, with another club and Cruyff and his thoughts and, and all of that to see that kind of start to play out again, um, has been really cool to watch and, you know, and, and to see now that you've got players in high demand, Ajax does not make a lot of money domestically. It, the Eredivisie, the top league in Holland it is not uh, bringing in the kind of money that the premier league brings in. So if you if you look at the budgets of the the clubs for um you know the Premier League uh, sides you you will find that you know most of them are um, I, I actually I think maybe all of them um will will um be bringing in way more revenue than um you know, than than Ajax, and so when you 
you know, when you're getting into a situation where uh, you have a club that doesn't have that kind of financial might, that kind of financial resource, et cetera, and you, and, and you have the opportunity to then take w- one of your, some of your assets, i.e., in this case, players, and begin to, to you know, sell them on bring in massive revenue back into the club it's something that that a club you know knows that they're not going to have the revenue to keep these players um you know much further they can't match the salary demands and other things of these players and they want to do right by their players they want to develop these players and they want to do right by them and that's really one of the things to me that makes Ajax and the run that they made so incredible was the fact that you did see all of this youth. You saw them coming up. You saw their 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 um, ability to keep their composure for the most part and and make this incredible run. They win the league this year uh, as well and and won won their domestic cup uh, as well. So you got a double domestically semi semifinal run into the Champions League. And all with this collection of talent, and they've already sold Frankie De Jong, and he he's already it's already official he's moving to Barcelona this summer for around seventy five million plus add ons. That's massive business for Ajax, and um, it's it's you know it's huge for the club. And um, their captain, Frankie De Jong's twenty one. Their captain nineteen, uh, Matthias Delit. Uh, he is is rumored to be going this summer as well. Barcelona is still the favorite, although Juventus and PSG are heavily in the mix. And uh, Delitz's agent, uh, Mino Raiola, is, you know, as he typically does, mucking stuff up because he's trying to get the best possible deal for his client and causing some issues. I'm hoping as a Barca supporter um first and foremost that that they get it worked out i'd love to see him in the blaugrana uh with his uh, teammate ix teammate frankie de jong and that deal is rumored to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 75 million plus add-ons as well uh between barcelona and ix uh that's 150 million now that's two players one season that Ajax is able to sell, bring in. That's that's that when we talk about the soccer business or the business of soccer, this is what we're not in in America. Major League Soccer is is nowhere near uh, that level in terms of 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 market scale, finances. Major League Soccer is at best a third division uh, league financially, commercially compared to the top top systems in the world england spain germany um it's it's nowhere near that level so when that is america's first division that's the sad state of american soccer it's just a reality check and we have to be honest with ourselves if we want to make progress and and that's something that we have to understand this weekend you know i was i was able personally to go and travel to tallahassee florida and take in the first ever uh, home match, regular season match for Tallahassee SC uh, in the Gulf Coast Premier League, and they were hosting the Gulf Coast Rangers Football Club. And um, although the the stadium infrastructure is all kind of portable and it's brought in for each game day, um, look for their first first home opener, they had several hundred. Um, somewhere in the neighborhood five maybe six seven hundred I, I didn't get an exact count but it was somewhere in that ballpark outstanding support home opener competitive match right there in the shadows of Doak Campbell Stadium which is the the American football stadium for for Florida State University right in between th- that stadium and this uh, newer development uh, called College Town there in Tallahassee and there's a bunch of you know, lofts and apartments and retail stores and bars and restaurants. And so you have this really, really cool environment and atmosphere that, that Tallahassee is, is able 
to to kind of create for for game day experiences fans coming in and out of of the gates and, and kind of going back and forth to college town it was just a really cool setup for um a a club that was you know just getting off the ground and really kind of getting into the swing of things and and as you know i'm taking all this in and i'm talking to to several of their board members and and their staff and their volunteers and and all of that you know i'm looking around and and thinking like man you know if this club was able to take all of this ingenuity and all of this this these dreams and these efforts and this work and build that and go and 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 take all of this uh, sweat equity um, you know financial uh, resources they've poured into the club the planning the 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 working with the city and the university to to be able to do events like this you know hosting these matches there at that site imagine what they could do if they were unleashed into an open system where they were able to rise and fall on sporting merit and and give themselves access to higher levels of revenue and resources and and, and publicity promotion etc even though our first division right now is is nowhere near a top you know first division around the country um if we had an open system, that would change very quickly because the open market of the soccer business, the scale of the soccer business, would 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 mushroom. I mean, it would it would be like Silicon Valley of the '90s, '80s, just blowing up. Um, it, you know, it it would it would just it, it would be a revolution like we've never seen in American soccer ever. And uh, it would benefit our first division. It would benefit our, our second division, third, fourth, fifth, all the way down. And, and you know, in order for that soccer business to, to be fully realized, for us to see a system that is fully implemented on, a, you know, an, a high level, um, we can do a lot of work ourselves. We can do a lot of organization ourselves to get the ball rolling. But in the end... In the end, we need the Federation to do its job, implement promotion and relegation, part of FIFA's requirements. They have recently admitted that uh, they have to follow those requirements in uh, a, a legal response to one of the multitude of court cases they are, they are involved in. And so it, it's time for FIFA to, to you know step up and, and do its job and require officially the United States Soccer Federation to comply with its rules in that area because it would change everything. It would change everything for Tallahassee. It would change everything for, you know, teams in the first division, teams in the second, third, fourth, etc. Um, and and we would see a, a new um, new wave of hope and optimism. And this weekend, like I said, was incredible to take in and it was a dramatic match uh, back and forth the uh you know the winner coming in the 80th minute was just an amazing strike and um it, it was it was a lot of drama but it was a lot of you know entertainment and a lot of you know hard work paying off and and you could tell that the guys in Tallahassee were doing it uh, and, and were really proud and they had every reason to be proud of their hard work and efforts in in doing that so really really appreciate them having me uh having me out and and getting to take the match in and, and being able to talk with them uh, in person take in the environment and the scenery and i hope for their sake and so many others sake that we start to get the business of soccer right as we go forward so the sponsor for today's show is charity water Charity Water provides clean drinking water to people all over the world. They are changing lives, changing villages. They are doing amazing work. Check them out at charitywater.org. Um, we will be right back after this break with none other than Sheldon Grizzle of the Chattanooga Football Club. मैले यो कल्पना गरेको थिएन कि 
तर अहिलेको बच्चाहरुलाई मैले सोध्दाखेरि अथवा उनीहरुलाई क्लासमा गएर तिमी के भन्ने भनेर भन्दाखेरि उनीहरु बच्चाहरुले एक क्लास दुई क्लास तीन तीन क्लास गरे बच्चाहरुले उनीहरुले सहजै रुपमा चाहिँ उपयुक्त गर्न सक्छन् म टिचर बन्छु सोशल वर्क इन्जिनियर Welcome back into the show. Thanks for tuning in this Monday morning as we kick off yet another week of the show. And we are really excited to have joining us Sheldon Grizzle of the Chattanooga Football Club. Sheldon, welcome to the show. Thanks, Daniel. It's good to be back. And uh, this time, uh, now, you, you know, we'll be able to hear you, which is uh, so good. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, I appreciate that. I uh, appreciate you coming back, coming back on after we had some tech technical difficulties. We were as we were launching the show, and um, you know, you've had some time over these last few weeks. The club's been busy playing a bunch of uh, preseason matches. Uh, I know you you were able to yeah. host uh, Bug Eaters, and um, you were hosted AFC Mobile, played some others, and then this past weekend. Um, you kicked off your NPSL, uh, I guess the classic version of the NPSL uh, season with Greenville FC. You guys had a, a two-two draw. Uh, how was uh, how was everything in the the opening weekend of uh, the official uh, season kickoff? Yeah, it was good. Obviously, we we always want to win, and we we thought that we could have. Uh, played a little bit better, finished some of our chances, been a little bit more organized in the back uh, from counterattacks. But overall, um, you know, I think, I think the, the feeling is pretty good in Chattanooga. We've got a really good team. Uh, we were missing a few guys for that game due to injuries and some um, getting back and getting released from their teams uh, overseas. So um so by the next league game that we have on June 1st, we'll have the full team and, uh, and, and have trained together for several weeks at that point. So um, we're, we're very excited about the team that we've got and put together and looking forward to, um, to, to the future games here. So um, you get started this weekend, obviously, you know, kind of beginning of the season, 2-2 draw, you know, you're hoping for a win. Um, and and yet now you got to turn right around and play. It's exciting, but you're staring down the barrel of playing Real Betis, who, <laughs> yeah. be, me being a, a Barcelona fan, first and foremost, um, I, I can speak to what you guys uh, and appreciate what you guys tweeted out about uh, the fact that this was the the only La Liga club this year to have won at the Camp Nou and at the Bernabeu, um, you guys have your hands full this weekend. What 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 is the buzz like in the town? What is the what is the talk around the water cooler there in the in the Chattanooga FC offices about this match? And what are you looking for <laughs> yeah. this weekend in the, in the environment, the experience, etc. Yeah, I mean, it's a very uh, multifaceted experience here. Obviously, you've got the players' experience and the coaches' experience where they get to play and coach against world-class players and world-class coaches. 
it, it will truly be a once in a lifetime opportunity for many of our guys. Um, and especially for, we've, we've got several Spaniards on the team that have grown up, uh, you know, idolizing some of these players that, um, you know, have been around the game for many years. And, and so it's a dream come true for, for the guys that are going to be on the field in the stadium. Um, and, and I know they're, uh, eager. Uh, I think they're, they're nervous. You know, there's, there's lots of different emotions coming into play there. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've just been talking with the guys and, you know, they, they realize that this is, uh, maybe an impossible task, but they're, they're still excited for it. Nonetheless, they, you know, soccer is a weird sport. You just kind of never know what's going to happen. But I think, I think really what's the most realistic thing is for our guys to go out there and work hard, um, and, and maybe have some individual wins, um, you know, beating a world-class player on the dribble or make, you know, combining some passes, getting a great shot off. Um, and, uh, and, and we'll just have to wait and see from, uh, what happens on the pitch standpoint, um, the, on the fan side, you know, like you said, if you're a Barcelona fan or Real Madrid fan or Atletico, or, you know, really, if you're into European soccer, you've heard of Real Betis and, um, and it's not as widely known of a brand in you know, American soccer circles, but if you follow European soccer, you, you know who they are. Um, and, uh, and so that, I think there is, there's a growing amount of excitement because the word is, is, is out now that this, this team is going to be here. They're really coming. I think there was a lot of doubt and maybe there still is some doubt. Like, are these guys actually bringing their first team um, you know, I, everybody I talked to initially is just like, oh, so this is like their reserve team or their third team. And, you know, you just kind of, you know, grab them by the shoulders and say like, no, this is the team. This, these are the guys that you see playing against Messi and, uh, and all these players. And so, uh, so that's, that's kind of one of our big goals this week is to make sure that people understand, like, this is the team that just beat Real Madrid. Um, and, and they'll all be playing in, in, uh, Washington DC against DC United, uh, on Wednesday of this week. And, uh, you know, that'll be their full team. That'll be the team that comes down and plays us. Um, and, and so I think that will help people realize that, oh yeah, this is the real team that's coming. Um, so there, there's excitement about, about it coming. Um, I think there's still some skeptics that really don't believe that it's, that they're really coming. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're, we're excited about it and look forward to a, possibly a once in a lifetime experience for players, coaches, fans, staff, um, all that. So walk us through, talk us through a little bit, uh, you know, what you can in terms of for, for clubs out in the country that, you know, they look at a Chattanooga, they look at a Detroit, and they look at some of these other clubs who have, you know, built clubs and and built projects, they built organizations that are doing things that are next level, right? So that they aspire right. to, to, to reach the same kind of level and opportunities that you guys have done. One of the things I enjoy doing is having people like you on talking behind the scenes and kind of peeling the onion back a little bit so that they can get some insight into, you know, what that means, what, what, you know, on the surface, sure. everyone can get excited about seeing Real Batiste come to Chattanooga and play. I, I know I'm excited uh, about seeing, um, you know, this game happen on Saturday um, process wise for those clubs out there who, who are dreaming about one day being able to do something like what you're doing this weekend, Take us back a little bit. What is that process like getting something like this together, conversations, planning, the dream in the first place, kind of what is all of those pieces together coming together? How, how did all that kind of happen to be able to have this moment and this opportunity on Saturday? Man, we could, at some point we need to write a book about it. Um, but uh, because it's a, it's a com complex story with lots of, you know, highlights and lowlights throughout the process. But 
um, you know, the, the original idea was one of our co-founders, Thomas Clark. He was playing for an NPSL team down in Birmingham, living in Chattanooga and traveling back and forth between Chattanooga and Birmingham. It's about a two hour drive. And he just had a really bad experience um, with, uh, I don't know if it was with the coach or the, you know, what, what was going on there, but um, he and myself and other people had kind of joked around that Chattanooga has like this underground soccer culture um, and, or just people that appreciate the game and that maybe uh, uh, an amateur team could, could do okay here. And, it, you know, we used to have a team way back in the 80s, 90s uh, called Chattanooga Express. And then there was the Railroaders um, that were at that kind of like PDL-ish, um, the old PDL-ish level. Um, and uh, and so we just always dreamed that maybe we could bring it back. But the, the cost of, at the time, the PDL was, um, was a barrier to entry for us. And so Thomas had experienced the NPSL. There were only four teams in the Southeast. And, uh, and he said, Hey, you know, I've found this new league. It's nationwide. It's just starting in the Southeast. Uh, cost of entry is much lower than other leagues. What do you like? What do you think? Do you think we could get a team together um, and get this thing off the ground? And so he started floating the idea by um, who, you know, what a bunch of people that ended up becoming the, the founding group and now mostly makes up the board um and uh and so yeah we we just kind of went through some basic business models and projections and um we had hoped that maybe we would have 250 to 500 people on average throughout the season so that's kind of how we built the the model originally and then you know the first night comes and had over 1500 people show up and in a thunderstorm to watch us play and it was it was really really cool just to see okay wow there's like a real uh connection an authentic connection to people in chattanooga and so we were trying to figure out like then then you're you know trying to reverse engineer like why did they show up and um and you know now we still do that why do they keep showing up and for us it it, it really just came down to the club was founded by eight, nine, uh, people that are, that are Chattanoogans are either born and raised here. They've you know moved here with their family for various reasons, but they're, they, they identify as Chattanoogans and we built it for Chattanoogans. We didn't build this to go make a bunch of money. We didn't, you know, this isn't some like, uh, we, we weren't trying to do anything, you know, in the American soccer hierarchy. Like we were just trying to do something cool for our city. Um, and, and a lot of us have tra traveled internationally and know that it's a world's game and, and Chattanooga is, uh, becoming a more international city with Volkswagen and a bunch of other German and European companies moving, um, various types of businesses here. Um, and we have one of the fastest growing Latino populations in the country, uh, in a year over year growth standpoint. So, uh, we, we felt like it was a great tool to, build community and to um, bring the world's game to Chattanooga. Um, and I think that really resonated with people in Chattanooga um, that it was just a, it was a homegrown, authentic, real thing, a real experience. It's not, uh, it's not corporatized. It doesn't feel um, slick. You know, it's just, it's, it's real. And uh, and that means there's some there's some hair on it sometimes. Like we don't do everything perfectly smoothly, and um, you know everything's not perfectly buttoned up. But I think there's a lot of grace that people give for uh, local small businesses, where you know the, the 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 owners or the entrepreneurs are known in the community. And um, so anyway, it, it's just always been about Chattanooga, um, and and not about anything else soccer is a tool that we use to improve the city. And so that at its core is what we're about. Um, and it's what we continue to be about. And if we ever lose that, then, you know, Chattanooga football club will just, you know, probably be um, one of the other ghost clubs that, 
that we see so often in American soccer. So you, 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 you're building the club. It, it, you know, you've progressed over a decade here, building out this club and building it up and, you know, obviously got a good start, head start on what you thought was going to, to be your start. Um, and those are always nice surprises. Um, and, right. and, and now you, you get to a place you're starting to, to dream even bigger ambition. How do we do what we do better? How do we get, go beyond kind of what we're currently doing and and you you also start feeling a little bit of the pains of a kind of a glass ceiling here in American soccer as well so you're having to 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 try to figure out a next path the next phase um while you know still trying to tap into that ingenuity etc at what at what point did you guys kind of look at yourselves and go okay hey it's time to take it up another notch it's time to kind of look at something beyond you know status quo for us or current operations for us and and look at something yeah. beyond that yeah so um so we, we've had a couple of different moments throughout the last several years that made us um made us start uh thinking about the feasibility of um you know expanding beyond a three-month summer league and and looking at more of a year-round um, or you know eight nine ten month season, um, I'd, I'd say by far the biggest one was when we when we played the national championship game for the NPSL in 2015 against the New York Cosmos B team, um, and and had 18,000 people show up. That was that was one of those moments where you just you do you're just shocked and realize that um that there is something really special going on here and and that we probably owe it to ourselves and our community to try to figure out a way to um you know to take that next step and professionalize our staff our um you know our 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 coaching staff our players all that kind of stuff um you, you know you can't you can't just be a seasonal business when when you're running a 10 month season versus a, you know, how you can when you're a three month season. So, um, so at that point, I think we started getting much more serious about looking at what the options were and, um, and just trying to figure out, you know, which, which direction to go. Do we stay? Do we, uh, go to an existing league? Do we help create a new one? Um, you know, those are all different options that, have been considered for at least, you know, four years or so. So in that, that process, you, you, you were able to kind of, you know, have a Moses moment and get up on the mountain and look over and see the promised land, having 18,000, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, it, it's so, sure. Im- it is so important to, to, uh, for, for a lot of people, because it's it that having that moment where you can actually have a tangible, you know, visual uh, kind of demo for the community to say, look, this is possible. You know, this 18,000 is possible. We, we pulled it off this night. A, a lot of people struggle with visualization. You know, they hear, right. you know, they hear the dream or they hear ambition but they really struggle to wrap their heads around, you know, what does that look like in the end? What is really possible? And and then you have the doubts and the fears and the skeptics kind of all that, that kind of creeps in. But when you get a right. night like that night where it becomes, you know, a, a glimpse of what could be the future, I think it also crystallizes for your city and your community and even people within your club. Hey, this is what we want to build as the future that we want to build towards this. If we got it one night, let's build so we could have this every night. Um, and as you've done that, as you've built, um, you've been able to kind of, you know, take next steps, figure out what comes next and, and, and look at different options, building for the future, taking things up another level. What did that, what did that mean for you? You mentioned something a second a second ago I want to go back and touch on, which is 
start to kind of professionalize your staff and your operations, what did what does that look like on a day to day basis versus say where you were in the first few years where you started in terms of professionalizing operations? <laughs> yeah, well, the first few years it was uh, you know probably the first six or seven years of the club it was um, all the board members and our friends and family and whoever we could get to come help us you know unloading uh, Tupperware bins of merchandise you know, out at the stadium that we were storing in one of our board members' basements, you know, between games. And uh, we were the ticket takers and we were, you know, the game day ops people and we were the announcers. Actually, two of our guys are still the announcers. Um, You know, we were, it it was just, it was a completely volunteer-driven organization. Um, And that's what most people don't realize. They think of, Chattanooga football club and they think of, you know, 18,000 people or the Chattahooligans or, you know, success on the field. And and they don't realize that there were thousands and thousands of volunteer hours that were put in by um, a group of people that were committed to the cause of what we were doing. That it was, it was bigger than ourselves. Um, And, and so literally for the first six or seven years, we didn't have any full-time employees um it was it was just you know we're hanging on for dear life during the summer doing the best that we can and take a few months off and then ramp it up again you know december january starting to think about the next season um and then i think we added a, you know one or two part-time people um after a few after a few years and they were seasonal employees for the most part and I don't, I can't remember the year. I think it was 2016 when we finally added a, a full-time, uh, an actual full-time employee. Um, so the, that worked to some extent for, um, for a couple of years, but as, as you look into, you know, growing more and more and more, you just, you need a bigger staff. Um, you know, you need, you need full-time marketing people and sponsorship people and ops people and, um, and, and coaching staff, you know, you, you need a lot more than what, what we were doing with, uh, our three month NPSL season. So, um, so, you know, we're still in the process of kind of going from this like volunteer, uh, driven mentality into uh, a full-time, you know, professionalized office mentality. And, uh, and so we still, um, we still operate as, you know, to some extent as if we're, um, you know, still this scrappy little startup club. I hope we never lose that. Um, and, and, you know, but we're in this like awkward adolescent phase where we're trying to grow up as well. And, um, and, you, you know, volunteering for that long is just draining and people get burned out and, and all that. So we're trying to figure out, um, what things can still be driven by the board, um, as, you know, just board members, um, and what things we need to hand off to full-time staff that can wake up every day thinking about those things. Um, but I'm like, we're, we're okay with that, um, with that transition, and and we think like this is this is the transitional year next year is the first year where we need to be ready to go um so we're learning a lot right now about about all that stuff and you know do we need to add any more positions if so what are those positions and what are the roles and and all that um if you just take a playbook from you know mls clubs or usl um usl clubs I, um, we don't, we haven't seen a lot of sustainability out of, um, you know, prior examples, um, you know, prior clubs. And so we don't want to just follow the playbook from other people, um, because the, the playbook hasn't really worked from a sustainability standpoint. And so we're just trying to, again, kind of write our own playbook and try to figure out what works for us. And, and not just, um, you know, not just follow somebody else's playbook. So, um, so it's a transition for sure, but we're, 
you know, we're, we're game for it and we're in the process of making it and we're learning every day. So, uh, so yeah, it's, you, you know, you never stop learning in this, in this world. That's for sure. So if not MLS and not USL, and I am certainly not one, as you know, to, to defend either of them and say, you should be learning, <laughs> you should be learning. If anything, you should be learning what not to do. Um, if we're, as clubs look to you, where do you look? If you're not looking to MLS and USL, are you looking to a Real Batiste? Are you looking to clubs, you know, throughout Europe, maybe at different levels, maybe at lower levels, and learning what they're doing as kind of inspiration as you are on this journey of education and building and and creating this next level operation and organization? What is the what are some of the things you do look at to learn from around the world, if not here domestically in terms of, Hey, this, this is the kind of rule book to follow. Um, as you've identified, that's not really a good path to follow, um, in terms of viability here in the U S. So where do you, where do you go for that? Well, there's, I want to be clear that you can learn from anyone. So, um, there's, there's great things that we can learn from other clubs around the country, regardless of what league they're in. So I don't want to, I don't want to say that we're not learning from anyone um, in the U S because we are, we, you know, we try to pay attention to what people in our industry are doing. And sometimes you, you copy and try to emulate those things or take it and make it unique to Chattanooga, Chattanooga fi it. Um, <clears throat> but those, those typically are more, tactical things than strategic or organizational things. Um, and so, so there's no one specific source that we go to. It's just, it's kind of like, you know, actually look at, um, look at other sports as well. You know, minor league baseball has some really interesting things that you can learn from that. Um, but it's really hard to, um, if nobody's doing something in a sustainable way yet, then it's really hard to learn of what to do. It's a lot easier to learn of what not to do. And so that's some of what we're doing is process of elimination. Um, you know, we, we look at what some clubs are doing and we realize, man, they're running a million dollars in the red every year. Um, how can we, what, what mistakes are they making or how have they structured things that cause them to be running in the red, you know, uh, so, so badly. Um, and then we try to avoid those things. And, um, and really that's, that's been one of our MOs from the very beginning, which is why we joined the NPSL and not other leagues because the cost of entry and the, the barrier to entry was a lot lower. Um, and so that helped us get, a club off the ground in a way that we would not have been able to get it off the ground in the first place. So we're just looking, we have a lot of innovative, creative entrepreneurial people on our board and who are now owners and investors. And so we're, we're just always looking for better ways to do things. And we, we reevaluate literally every week, you know, where the tensions are in the business and, uh, how do we solve for those tensions? Um, and, and so it's just this, one of my mentors calls it rolling imperfections. Like we're, we're never going to have something just absolutely perfect. So let's, let's just roll with it. Let's, let's keep things moving in the right direction and learn as we go and iterate and, and just try to be creative, innovative, thoughtful, resourceful, um, and uh, so maybe in maybe in five years, we'll, you know, right now we could probably run, we could probably write the book on how to start and run a, an amateur three months uh, long, you know, uh, NPSL team. Um, and then maybe in five or 10 years, we can write the how to how to get a pro team off the ground in a way that doesn't um, bleed you dry. So. One of the things that, that came out of this innovation, came out of this ingenuity and, and this entrepreneurial mindset of so many within the board uh, was this uh, recent campaign to open the club up 
for the public to buy shares in the club and be able to yeah. to become owners, yeah. right, of Chattanooga Football Club and, and buy a share or multiple shares of the club. Where did that conversation start and where did it in where where did the the campaign end in terms of your your expectations as a board of what you you were hoping for versus the reality right. in the end? Yeah, good questions. So it it goes back to actually 2010, our second season. Um, we've always done a good job, I think, of listening to our fans and supporters and customers, uh, partners. And, uh, and so a couple of our board members and co-founders were literally just having beers with, uh, some fans and it was actually a fan's idea and just said, wouldn't it be cool if just like the green Bay Packers or, you know, at that time, Manchester United, you know, all these European clubs, wouldn't it be cool if there was a way that your fans could own part of the club? And it was just one of those light bulb moments where we're just like, oh my gosh, yes, that is so aligned with who we are and what we're about that um, we can't not do that. And so at, at that point, we, we um, set the company up as a C corp so that we could um, eventually offer shares in the club to the community. Um, and, you know, it took us almost, it was about nine years from that conversation to finally launch the campaign and, and do it. Um, but, and, and it took an enormous amount of work to be able to figure out how to do that. You know, we, we've spent a lot of money on attorney fees over the years trying to figure out, you know, can we do a direct public offering or like, how can we do, how can we do a public offering in a way that doesn't just suck out all the money that you just uh, raised. And, uh, and, and then it's, like it's still cool because now your supporters own you, but you used all the resources to, to do it. And now you don't have any, um, any working capital to be able to grow the club. Um, so, uh, the, we, um, I think it was the Obamacare or not Obamacare, sorry. Um, the jobs act that allowed for this type of crowdfunding through the internet to be, done and, and to be accessible to all kinds of uh, entrepreneurs around the country. And so once, once that got released, we started looking at that as a potential model for doing this kind of share offering. Um, and, you know, it's, it's hard. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, we, we've had dozens and dozens and dozens of clubs reach out to us saying, how have you done this? We want to learn from you. And, um, we're not quite ready to write that playbook yet because we're still in the middle of it. Um, but we can definitely say that it's, it's surpassed our, uh, our hopes for the campaign. You know, we set our minimum really low at like $50,000. Um, and, but I think we were expecting in that 250 to max 500 range. Um, we thought we'd be knocking it out of the park if we hit 500. Um, and as of now, I don't know where we're at exactly today, but somewhere in that $720,000 range with over 2,600 new shareholders in the club. Uh, and we've got two weeks left. Um, and the pace has really picked up in terms of people buying in. So I, I couldn't tell you if we're going to land at 750 or 850 or more. Um, but it's it's really been cool to see how it's been embraced through Chattanooga, but then also around the world. I think we're in like we have fans in 25 different countries now, and we've got supporter owners now in uh, all 50 states as well. So, so, so how, it's it's to say it's blown us away is, is an understatement. So, all that being said, how much is a share, and how could people, you know? where can they go to buy the share or shares if they want it to get in, in these last couple of weeks? Yeah. So it's, uh, um, if you go to own CSC.com, um, it'll, it'll redirect you to the WeFunder platform and all of the details can, can be, um, sought there. 
the um the i i don't i actually don't know if i can um how how many details i can go into it's just safer to say um all the information is on the website go there check it out it's slightly more than the price of a season ticket um so it's 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 very affordable um and we think that this is a a piece of american soccer history um i'm i'm confident that we'll see dozens of other clubs try this in the near future um and we're again we're, we just have that innovative spirit of like we want to we want to be the tip of the spear and find find ways to do things that no one else has done before um and it's a little bit more painful doing life that way <laughs> uh but um but again there's there's no good playbook to follow so we're just trying to write our own playbook I totally get it. Uh, I, I I share that that mentality uh, in terms of you know ingenuity, creativity. Always trying to find solutions and find new paths, etc. And and really do appreciate the work that you guys are doing in in, in all areas. But you know this campaign sp- specifically, I think is is not only fascinating but encouraging. Uh, and I think it, you know, my conversations with with clubs around the country it's also been very inspiring for them to see you know another kind of piece of your story play out uh in doing something differently and you know you know the saying you do the same old same old expecting different results it's insanity you guys go in the opposite direction of that you're always looking for how can we do something different how can we do something different? How can we find a new way? How can we, you know, challenge the paradigm and and see if there's another solution or another opportunity that works better? And I appreciate that. And I think American soccer is better for that, uh, that kind of mentality and drive and, and the way that you guys have been going about doing what you do. Looking back, yeah, uh, and I asked, I asked you this question before, and I, I you know, maybe you maybe you're prepped now with a better answer, but uh, you know where where you feel like okay, I know I'm ready because he asked me this last time, but um, <laughs> no one heard okay. your answer, so I I just wanted to kind of ask you again um, a, a couple questions as we kind of wind up. The first is yeah, sure. Looking back to the beginning, ten years ago, or or, or even you know leading up to starting ten years ago. What did you learn? What have you learned, and what would you what would you do differently if you were to go back in time and be able to to redo some things or start differently? Um. Yeah, I, I wasn't prepared then, and I'm I'm still slightly unprepared now. Um, I I think the main the main thing is, um having a more clear direction of where we want to go and why we want to go there. Um, you know, we, we've spent the last three or yeah, probably four years internally debating about what direction to go. And it's, it was, you know, we were kind of log jammed on that from a strategic standpoint. Um, so I, you know, I, it, it's hard for me to say, like, what would we do differently? Because I don't think we would be where we're at without, um, without doing things the way we did them. And we're, we're proud of where we are at. Um, the diversity of the team um, is one of the reasons that we were able to get it off the ground and have the success that we had. And then the diversity of the team is why we got log jammed on trying to figure out what direction to take. Um, and ultimately that's one of the reasons why, you know, there, there was a lot of soccer drama in Chattanooga um, was because of differing opinions on culture and philosophy and why are we doing what we're doing? Um, some people wanted it to be about money and some people wanted it to continue to be about the community. And that that's a really stark contrast. Um, and so I wish we could have been more aligned on what we were doing and why we were doing it. Um, so I think, I think maybe 
at the end of the day, that's, that's the thing that I, that I got to encourage people the most is build a team of people who are fully aligned on what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, and then never stray from that culture, um, and, and those values. Um, and if you've got team members that have very differing opinions from that, then the hard work has to be done of figuring that out as fast as possible. Um, so that, you know, the, the club or the organization can continue to move forward with, with its original, um, you know, vision and values and culture intact. So that's, that's probably the biggest one is just like, make sure you got the right team with the right values and the right culture. Um, and, and you'll, things will be a lot better um, than, than if you're not aligned on that stuff. Totally. Last question as we kind of come to a close here um, that I want to ask you, and it's something I've been asking a lot of our guests um, and, and I, I'm really uh, anxious to hear your, your response, knowing the way you guys think and the way that you guys uh, are, are always trying to, to, to find solutions creative solutions even uh to to issues problems next steps etc right if yep. you if you were were crowned king of american soccer for a day and you had supreme authority you could do anything <laughs> with your power for a day what would you do while in charge oh wow that's a good one um i don't think you asked me this one last time um I think, you know, you mentioned the world word glass ceiling last time. Um, I would, I'd love to find some innovative ways to move, um, to move the sport um, in a way that is more open to entrepreneurs and less closed. You know, some people say pro rel is the, the magic bullet there, maybe it is. Um, but I, you know, just now having been, uh, in the soccer world for, uh, several years, there's, there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of, um, seemingly arbitrary rules and regulations and, um, things like that, that feel like it stifles innovation. Now, I wasn't there when these things were created, so maybe there needs to be some grace there given, but it, it feels hard to say that all of those rules and regulations and all that are in place for good reasons rather than to stifle creativity or innovation or to close the market down. Um, <clears throat> so I'd, I'd love to find ways to make it more open, to make it... Um, you know, more democratized, I guess. Um, love to see it look more like the world's game instead of, um, you know, maybe the way that, uh, you know, Major League Baseball and the minor leagues are set up. Um, that's probably where I would spend the majority of my time is um, there. And then the other big passion that I have is just trying to help disrupt the, the pay-to-play model um, for youth soccer. And we've got some really, really cool things that we're working on here in Chattanooga through our foundation and, and now through the Chattanooga FC Academy um, that we'll be rolling out over the next year or so that, um, that you know, we're committed to helping solve some of those problems and pain points um, so that we can, I mean, we got phenomenal talent across the country, even here in Chattanooga, that is not getting access to quality coaching or uh, quality facilities and um, a culture where they can develop into the best player that they can be. So we've got a lot of work to do there. And, um, and so I don't, I, if I was King for a day, I'd, I'd love to continue investing in that. I know, I know U S soccer is, is, is trying to make ways there. And, um, and I, I just think we can continue to do better on that. Well, th those are um, two ginormous 
massive tasks, but as king for a day, I have no doubt that you would be able to uh, to accomplish those. So um, I, I I love that answer and I love that response and and that is the key uh, to me as well. Pr- promotion relegation is is a mechanism, but it is a mechanism born out of the principle of merit and openness, um, an open marketplace. When you have an open marketplace from a business perspective, you invite creativity, you invite ingenuity. That's where innovation comes from. And that's ultimately why the U.S. for for so long is is one of the big key points that's allowed the U.S. to have the the economy and in the world of sports, the sports economy we've we've been able to develop is has has benefited because of the business economy of the U.S. and in allowing for a Silicon Valley to to even ever happen, um, and, and yep. you know, and all those different sectors. So to to have that same mindset, business mindset within U.S. soccer, would I think be more beneficial and and we would see projects like chattanooga pop up all over the place does that mean there's going to be a failure rate absolutely but yeah but that's part of being an open marketplace um and in the end i think the positives would far outweigh the the negatives and you would you would see for you know for clubs that would not be able to make it or, or whatever. And, 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 and that would definitely happen. It's already happening now, but on the, on the good side of things, you take the Chattanoogas and Detroit's and others, those stories are much harder in the system that we have now. And, and that glass ceiling is in place. And um, so I, I agree with you. I would love to see that change and, and allow stories like yours to, to pop up even more and your story specifically to be able to be more free to experiment and take risks and build something uh, of quality. So Sheldon, thanks for yeah, coming. I mean, you, you hit the na- Yeah. You hit the nail on the head about experimentation and risk. And if we can limit um, the predatorial aspect of the market that's happening right now, um, then you'll have a lot more entrepreneurs and innovators and uh, investors jumping into the soccer market because it, you know, you can grow through sporting merit and not just through, um, you know, dollars spent or territory rights purchased or something like that. So, so I think, I think it's a, it is a key piece of the puzzle that does need to be figured out. So I'm, we're, we're hopeful that, um, you know, wise, and cooler minds will prevail at some point. We just don't know when that'll be. You and me both. Uh, we are we are definitely um, um, on the same page in that regard for sure. So uh, good luck this weekend with Real Betis. Uh, Saturday, May the 25th for, for everyone watching, listening at 6 p.m. Eastern uh, Standard Time at kickoff with Real Betis, their first team. Want to make sure we we clarify for anyone who's wondering. So if you're in Atlanta, Birmingham, Nashville, uh, Knoxville, surrounding area, get in your car and go up and enjoy uh, the match. It'll be a great experience for you, the family, the kids, everybody, and you're going to get to see world class talent uh, on the field there in Chattanooga, Tennessee, this Saturday. For tickets, go to cfctix.com, cfctix.com to get your tickets. Go up there, enjoy the weekend. Um, find Sheldon, tell him thank you for all of his work, and Tim and all the guys with, with Chattanooga because they're doing incredible work in American soccer, and we need to support it. So thanks for coming on the show, Sheldon, and uh, we, we definitely yeah, will, will follow the weekend and, uh, and look forward to having you back on again in the future to get it in into even more of like where you are and, and what's coming up next as you make this transition to pro as a club. So, uh, uh, again, we, we really do appreciate you spending some time with us this morning. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. Thanks again. That was Sheldon Grizzle of the Chattanooga Football Club, and uh, really do appreciate him coming on. Thanks to him and to Tim and all the guys with Chattanooga Football Club, their work, 
um, is inspiring so many, this next generation in Wave of Clubs especially, and um, learn from them, learn from their lessons, um, but also watch their story and, 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 and follow it, support it, because we need more of it. So thanks for joining the show today. L- really look forward to, to our lineup this weekend. Tomorrow we have joining us Tiffany Weimer, and uh, I really, really am excited about having a chat with her about her story, her career, etc. And so uh, tune back in tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, as always. Watch live on DanielWertman.com, and I really do appreciate everybody tuning in. So until tomorrow, we will see everybody then.